This podcast is sponsored by Temenos, winner of the Best Core Banking Solution Provider Award at the 2021 Banking Technology Awards. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of What the Fintech, the podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology Magazine. My name is Paul Hindle, editor at Fintech Futures, and joining me for this episode is Tony Coleman, Chief Technology Officer at Temenos. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Paul. Very, very glad to be here. Excellent. It's great to great to have you here. And with Tony on the show this week, the main topic of discussion will be around core banking technology and its, its evolution in the space. We'll be chatting more about the work that Temenos is doing in this field and the future of the technology underpinning banking a little later in the show. But first, as always, is our news and numbers segment. This is where we've gone out and found some news stories with interesting numbers in them to discuss and open proceedings. Uh, It's traditional that our guest goes first. So, Tony, what have you brought along for us today? So my number is 6,000. And that number is the average amount owed by SMEs in the UK or owed to SMEs, I should say. And it's um, it's interesting because it came up, that number came out of a news article around TSB and Bankify. And this, I think, is a great example of where we're seeing uh, a relatively traditional bank partnering with a fintech to provide a really neat solution. You know, it's something that solves real pain that small businesses have. Late payments, as, as we all know, cash flow is the lifeblood of business. And it's not the typical sort of innovation you'd expect from a perhaps a traditional bank in the past. So I think it's a really interesting trend to see this idea that banks are sort of embracing and collaborating with fintechs, um, the sort of co-invention, co-creation type idea. And we've seen it a lot in the consumer space, but I think this is interesting, particularly because it's a little bit more in the SME space. And you know, there's been some collaboration in that space. Temenos has done something around our virtual COO, for instance, with Canadian Western Bank. But I think it's it's really interesting to see this, as I say, the embracing of fintechs as partners, not necessarily seen as um, as competitors. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I completely agree in terms of it's just great to see um, collaboration, I guess, in the space as opposed to the kind of the competition side of things. Likely with the, the current speed of development, we'll see more, I would assume, with companies looking to kind of remain on top of the game. And it's essentially a, a win-win for both companies, right, in terms of they can both partner with each other and then launch products and um, really help each other out to improve. And, and plus it's a win for consumers as well at the end of the day. So it ends up being win-win-win, I guess. This, uh, just to build on that story, so this is TSB kind of partnering with Bankify. They've launched an app called uh, Revenue, um, which is enabling small businesses to receive quicker payments and, and better manage their business finances. Um, it's not the only story as well that we've had kind of like recently coming through in terms of this collaboration space where we had Bank of America recently partnering with um, a UK fintech called Banked um, to launch a new payments initiative as well. So really great to see there. And I guess this really kind of ties in with the, the age-old buy versus build debate right so i mean what would your take be on on that well yeah like you say i think it it is the age-old debate and the the great thing here is it kind of gives you as you wish the kind of the best of both worlds right you can choose what to build you can choose what to buy and we'll touch on this later this idea of composing a solution up of parts be that from your own toolkit or from somebody else's i think it's a really interesting development in the space 
and like you say, it's not just the the banks and the fintechs that win. It's the win win. It's it's the consumers as well who really should be the ones that benefit from this this style of innovation. Uh, thank you for that, Tony. And um, moving on to the the second topic, then. So the topic that I've brought in today, the number of discussion will be three. And this is the news that uh, D360 has become the third digital bank in Saudi Arabia to receive a license from the central bank. So it has received approval from the regulator, the central bank, and has become the third digital bank in the country to be licensed. Now the first two, STC Bank and an unnamed entity, which were granted banking licenses last summer. D360 will be established with a capital of 1.65 billion Saudi rials, which is equivalent to around $440 million um, through a consortium of individual and corporate investors, including the Public Investment Fund. Um, which, if you're a sports fan, you might have heard in the news recently as, as being behind the recently proposed Saudi Golf League as well. So we're seeing a lot of, of new digital banks popping up at the moment, particularly in the Middle East, Southeast Asia, um, South America, as well as kind of like Europe and North America. So no doubt driven by an increase in digitization, the spread of smartphones, more tech-savvy populations, and a desire to boost uh, financial inclusion among populations and really kind of like reach the young banks kind of like populations there. And it's great to see, right? So we've got a lot of these banks now really kind of like highlighting the benefits that digital banking is giving to populations. Populations. And it's great to see new banks and, and, and options popping up for people and, and more, I guess, activity in that area. Obviously, great for you guys at Temenos as well in terms of having more banks to potentially partner with. So what would your view, um, I guess, Tony, while you're here, then be on digital banking trends in, in, around the globe at the moment? Well, I think that the first thing is that, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying about giving that choice. And it's great to see the regulators um, embracing and encouraging it because as a highly regulated industry at some level what you can and can't do is dictated by those regulators so it's fantastic to see these licenses being granted and that is driving I mean it is that idea that competition breeds innovation and I know the the innovation work gets banded about a lot but it's fantastic to see this level all around the globe, as you say, not just in particular geos, but to leverage everything that you were just talking about, the financial inclusion, I think is a really big piece. Again, parts of parts of the globe, perhaps where there's just no infrastructure that makes sense to build traditional banks with you know, bricks and mortar branches, et cetera, et cetera, really embracing a full digital bank, as well as uh, dare I say, a, a traditional transformation, if such a concept makes sense. So I think it's great to see both of those things come to light. But for me, this idea of digital banks that can help populations around the globe that were previously unbanked for various reasons, having access to banking is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely agree with that. I, I guess, as you're here then, Tony, with Temnos kind of like being on the front lines in this front, so are there any specific uh, regions that you're seeing a lot of activity at the moment, or is there any areas that Temnos is particularly kind of like targeting at the moment? I mean, in terms of a digital transformation, I guess if we look at the hype curve, we're definitely well out of the innovators and early adopters. And I guess we could debate whether we're in the early majority or, or the late majority, but it really is clear that every bank has to have a digital offering of some description. And some institutions like D360, pure digital, uh, you know, native from the start is fantastic to see. But also across the globe, the idea that you need to keep innovating, keep up to date, keep pushing those boundaries. 
means that we're seeing not only this kind of big one-shot transformation, but a continual transformation. Again, if that term makes sense, it's not just a case of doing one big project. It's about continuing to improve and be ambitious with what the, the banking market wants. Here we are in part two of the podcast. This is our more interview style section where we focus the discussion into a specific industry topic or sector. We're going to dive into the main topics in just a moment. But first, to start with Tony, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what you've been up to at Terminos recently. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, my name is Tony Coleman. I'm the CTO over at Terminos. And that means I look after a few different areas that the main obvious ones that you'd expect would be you know, the architecture, design and technology of the, the platform and, and all of our software. But I also look after our innovation hub and Terminos Exchange, which is our open banking marketplace. The last few years, we've been very much working through a number of projects, pulling us together, which culminated really in the, the launch of the Terminos Banking Cloud last year. And as I think you've seen recently, a lot of work that we've then continued on from that, pulling us together to this composable banking platform, which we're very excited about. So yeah, it's been very, very exciting and busy times as ever at Terminos. Thanks, Tony. So you've mentioned there uh, about the composable banking services. Can you tell us a bit more about these new developments then, some background behind the projects? Yeah, I mean, as, as with all of these things, the project hasn't sort of happened overnight at all. In fact, it's started a good few years ago. You could kind of track it back when we first released our first open banking APIs. And over the, you know, the last few years, we've been building through that couple of years back, we started the really pushing our cloud native, cloud agnostic message, the introduction of that through Terminos Banking Cloud, together with a very aggressive program of componentization and encapsulation. So it's something that, that I talk about um, a fair bit is that Terminos has always enjoyed this sort of functional modularity. And what we've now done is encapsulated that technically. And where that got us to is the idea of the services that we were offering on the banking cloud. We were creating them by composing them up using these constituent capabilities. And then we realized that what we can and indeed what we should be doing is exposing that composability out onto the platform. So it's been a very measured way to get us to this point where we have this open platform that we can compose banking capabilities together to create services, and whether that's services that Terminos pre-compose and, and publish and support on the Terminos Banking Cloud, or whether it's the sort of build your own bank journey that you know some of our challenger banks are, are very excited to pursue. Excellent. And composable banking, not a new term. So what's the difference about Terminos's take on it? Yeah, we, we have taken a, a slightly different take on it, as, as you mentioned, in that the term's been around for a while. And what we've done is really, really taken it to heart. So when we were looking at building the, the services that we offer on Terminos Banking Cloud, we did look at it from you know the very core of the service. So the actual fundamental banking capabilities that, that make up the services. So whether that is something as simple, relatively simple as the, the DDA piece, 
or the pros, the accounting processing engine, limit management, whatever it is, we look at it from that point of view, that kind of very building block aspect. So rather than just composing up at the periphery, and that, you know, that's interesting as well, that does allow you to do interesting things, but rather than just orchestrate over an API tier, we've taken the approach to take that and right at the heart of the solution, allow you to build up the very the very essence of the service by taking those capabilities. And that's realized through the banking cloud together with the technology platform that as you compose up the service, the capabilities themselves describe all of the underlying technology artifacts required to run it. And that means we get to create the infrastructure as code essentially on the fly when we go through those journeys. And the great thing is it, it really is the same platform and the same code that's used uh, regardless of whether that's a composed service that, that Terminal's put together or one that one of our clients or indeed partners define themselves. Great. And you've mentioned there as well, it's, it's an open platform. So can you explain more about that and why that's important? So a lot of the work that uh, Temnos has, has always done is allow partners and clients to add functionality, to sort of customize the, the solution, if you will. And what we've done with the, as we moved into this sort of more of a platform play on the, on the banking cloud, and although I, I will keep referring to it as the banking cloud. It's also true for anyone that's taking the software and running it in, in, in their own public cloud or indeed, indeed on-prem, exactly the same philosophy is that we've taken all of the tools and techniques that we ourselves use to build the platform and build the capabilities and given those to our partners and our customers. So now creating capabilities on the platform these surfaces, first-class capabilities, as, as if they were produced by Temenos. Excellent. And Temenos, obviously best known as a banking software company. So can you explain this evolution then to a platform? Yeah, as I kind of hinted at earlier, it is something that we've been working on over a number of years. And Temenos Banking Cloud, I guess, is the, the next generation SaaS offering from Temenos. Um, we've been building on um, 10 years of cloud leadership. I think that the numbers come out, it's at roughly a billion dollars of R&D investment over that period. And not only that, the experience of over 700 SaaS customers and all of that with this virtuous circle of feeding back so that it's not just global banks, it's 70 challenger banks that we've pulled together as well to really take that investment understand what it is that we need to turn into a platform and offer that up, not only, as I say, to our banking cloud customers, but to all of our customers. So that journey, that change from a software company to a platform has been slow and steady in, in some regards in that it hasn't definitely hasn't happened overnight. There's been a lot of hard work gone into it to create it. But at the same time, into the sort of almost fundamental philosophy as Temnos as a company, that we always view this as a platform anyway. When you talk with our developers, they always understand that they are building banking IP on top of a platform. So to an extent, that concept's always been there. We're just choosing to expose it in a more open way than before. Excellent. And, and what would you say then the platform is enabling banks and, and non-banks to do differently? 
So I sort of hinted earlier the idea that we always had these sort of customization hooks and we've taken a slightly different stance now with the new platform and embraced this idea of extensibility as opposed to customization. Now, I appreciate there's a, a subtlety of language here and I know you have an international audience. So let me let me sort of drive into that a little. What I mean is rather than changing the behavior of the solution at its core, which when you get into complex software, when you have lots of moving parts, not just the Temos um, software, you know, in any enterprise architecture, there's a number of pieces at play and that can lead to complexity. So what we've done is taken that experience that we've leveraged over thousands of implementations and taken that the business goals, what it is that the banks are trying to achieve, they're trying to differentiate certain areas allow banks and partners to achieve those business goals, but in a slightly different manner. So we we call it extensions, we call it extensibility framework. And what that means is allowing at the perimeter in a contemporary architecture and a contemporary um, technology. So using things like Python, rules engines, Java. So not crazy cutting edge stuff, but industry standard technology that way you can recruit for that people are very happy to be working with and allowing all of that to run and baked into that with in what we term embedded devops so again devops something that the industry as a whole is very much embracing and taking all of that together so that as Everything is code is how, how we sometimes refer to it. So whether that's configuration, whether that is a product definition, whatever it is, it flows through this embedded DevOps, allowing testing to be run automatically, baked into every commit, every change you make, so that the banks can make that differentiation but with confidence. And that leads to the idea that we can continually update and the banks themselves can take changes that perhaps you would go for a three-month UAT cycle and a big SIT and, and all the rest of that, compress those cycles down to whatever cadence the bank's comfortable with. And that could be minutes, hours, days, whatever it is. Um, so to work with their own SDLC, but give them the options of doing it at speed if they want to. Excellent. That all sounds, that all sounds great. Um, so as, as you hear then, what would you say is the future then of banking technology in that sense? And, and what kind of like technologies are shaping the future? Yeah, as ever, there's a plethora of technologies that Temenos are always keeping an eye on and investigating. But, I, you know, this isn't a commitment necessarily, right? So there's an area, obviously, quantum computing, as and when that becomes a practical reality, that could be really, really interesting or not, depending on the use cases, but something we're certainly keeping an eye on. A little bit sort of closer is the idea of a multimodal uh, user experience. So things like extended reality, but which I mean, augmented reality, virtual reality, dare I use the word metaverse in there? I don't know. Uh, but that idea that you've got different ways of experiencing these things tied together with the definite, I would say emergence, but perhaps it's almost the renaissance of embedded finance in that banking isn't something that you do, it's a byproduct of what you want to do almost. So that idea of banking as a service, multi-tenanted, all of those concepts together with 
other things more technology focused perhaps about hyperplexed architectures uh, baking all of this sort of sdlc making the developer experience quicker empowering the developer community so lot, lots of exciting stuff around platform ecosystem that's where i think this is all going and of course that leads us into ai so uh, not only ai as a platform feature that we can embed in in services but also leveraging some of the metadata that we get from our ops so this idea of ai driven ops or no ops is something that's definitely top of mind Excellent. Thanks. And you've mentioned about AI there. So how has Teranos been looking to, to utilize AI tech within your own developments? For, for example, I, I know you've recently launched an AI-driven BMPL service as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's a great example. So we have explainable AI as a platform feature, by which I mean it's available for all of our services and our business capabilities to use. And adding that into something like buy now pay later is a really great example of sort of where we see this sort of network effect or virtuous circle where taking the banking capabilities composing them up into a service and then layering on platform features like explainable ai I mean not only do you have the ability to make informed recommendations at a personalized level but also to encourage responsible lending and responsible spending. Not only that, that the consumer can see, because it is explainable, why that particular pre-approved loan was recommended. Here we are in part three of the podcast. This is the FinTech Jail section. So this is where we ask for an industry term, buzzword or trend that our guests have seen or heard enough of. We will then debate whether it deserves a place in the jail. So Tony, what buzzword or trendy topic do you wish to banish today? Well, I'm not sure it's a banish, but I think it's definitely a sentence, which is NFT, so non-fungible tokens. So I think I should, should start off by saying, I think NFTs have the potential to be genuinely transformative in the financial services industry. But at the moment, it's a little bit of the Wild West, and I'm, I'm, I do have quite concerns that at the moment it is a, a target-rich environment for scammers, and there's a lot of hype that people don't understand. So for that reason, I'd like to lock it away for a period of time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think given the, the gamut of opinions surrounding NFTs, I'm actually quite surprised that they haven't come up in this section before now. Um, I previously worked for a crypto and blockchain news publication back in 2018, and we were digging into NFTs at the time and how they tick. Um, and like you say, I think there is a lot of value there in, in terms of the technology. There's value in terms of digital scarcity uh, or ownership or, or authenticity, especially in games. And, and you mentioned earlier, metaverse as well, if, if that's going to start concept, it's going to start taking off in the, the next few years, then there's certainly value there. And there's obviously value in digital artists as well being able to kind of like prove the ownership of their work and there are a whole range of, of different outlooks away from even just the kind of like digital artwork area where, where this technology can be as you mentioned really transformative but 
yeah, I mean, since then the the space has exploded in popularity, and we've got huge amounts of money trading hands for um, these pieces of art. And for, for listeners, I'm, I'm using air quotes around art there because some of it's, you know, I know they say art's subjective, but let's face it, some of it's not great. And yeah, I mean, we saw the same with cryptocurrency as well, right? In any of these kind of new digital kind of developments when they, they kind of like take off so quickly there's potentially then a bit of a lag in terms of the education there and regulation there of course as well um and as you say then what happens is you start getting bad actors coming in and, and looking to take advantage there's you know a lot of various kind of like scams going around as people minting nfts of artwork that isn't theirs and obviously the conversations as well around the, the impact it's having on the environment so which is always a, a big one with this and certainly with cryptocurrency as well so i would certainly agree that the, the space needs to kind of like mature in that sense and then the benefits of the tech will start shining through i mean people are more protected more can be done to reduce that environmental impact as well so i certainly think we can think about dropping it in and then you know, as the space matures, if someone wants to argue to get NFT back out of the jail, then we can certainly look into that. But I mean, is there, is there anything else you wanted to kind of like tack on for NFTs, maybe in, in their defense or just to compound the sentence? I think it might be in more in their defense, which is, seems perhaps a bit counterintuitive because I was just suggesting we put, we put them in jail. But I think it is, you know, as you said, there is obviously uh, with anything that, that's proof of work based the, the concerns about the environment and that that's it's good to be concerned about that 100 percent. looking at what ethereum is doing with you know moving to proof of stake some of the other items that we're seeing in this space i think helps to alleviate that but there's definitely more work to do the idea of, of layer two and different mechanisms for, for minting these items can help as well but i still think a lot of this if the projects, if the first thing any of these projects tell you is that it's an NFT, then I'm always a little nervous about what the project is really about. Uh, is it get rich quick scheme, which certainly is how a lot of these things seem that the, the more scam ones seem to be approaching it with. And you see it bleeding into gaming is a great example of where you see a lot of these projects where their headline is the fact that it's NFT based rather than the fact that it's it's an interesting project. And some of the art, as you say, it's subjective. Some of the projects are great, some of them less so. And for me, yeah, it's about maturity in the space and buyer beware, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that's that's fair. And what we can do is, as mentioned, drop it in for... As we, we won't banish it completely, but we will just drop it in maybe a holding cell um, for a while. And then <laughs> if, if somebody would like to argue to take it out, then we can look into that uh, once, the, once the space is kind of... Um, I think that that's a fair sentence and one that I'd be happy to debate in a period of time, perhaps when the space is, has calmed down a little. Excellent. Thanks, Tony. Well, that's all we have time for this episode. Thanks so much to Tony for joining me and, of course, to Temnos for sponsoring this podcast. As for Fintech Futures, you can find us online at www.fintechfutures.com and on Twitter and LinkedIn, of course, as well. If you like this podcast and other episodes, uh, you can subscribe to our Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting service. Um, as always, thank you very much for your support and for your continued listenership. We'll see you soon for another episode of What the Fintech, but until then, goodbye. Goodbye.